free speech absolutist or capitalist big cat seizing the memes of production? In a hostile takeover of this nation's proverbial town square, Musk fired three top execs on the first day. A clear move towards a rapid cultural change, a virtual coup d'etat of the virtual realm. Fact-checking President Biden's account? A bit close to the bigoted bullying of an ableist, if you ask me. Adding Ukraine-sponsored media tags to post during this time when the people of Ukraine desperately need our support. This blatant tyrannical transparency cannot stand. In the newly saturated market of misinformation online, the waters are growing ever more murky, with Musk subjecting the good guys to the same scrutiny designed only for those who didn't share my political views. And don't even get me started on this setting a dangerous precedence for when the tables turn crap. I'm too triggered to learn any lessons right now. Matthew, get fired up for liberty. It's kind of what we do and kind of what we're here for. But today I want to talk a little bit about tranquility, about inner peace, about acceptance. Mm. Because today Matthew and I were examining uh, exactly a message of unity like that, an opportunity not to dwell on the past years of COVID insanity, uh, but to extend that olive branch uh, to those that were willing to kind of watch the boot of the government be pressed upon our necks during all this COVID stuff. Um, we read an article in here. Uh, it was uh, Emily. What was her last name? It wasn't Blunt. <laughs> no, it, it sure was not. Uh, the, um, <laughs> I got it here. It's Emily Oyster over at the Atlantic. Um, this article Aus- is Oster. called Oster Oyster, whatever. Um, now, this article was called Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. So it's kind of that opportunity to to not demonize people who got the message wrong because we know that there's a lot of uh, issues with misinformation out there and and who's to say what's really right and wrong. So, you know, just because you lost your small business because of these these COVID shutdowns doesn't mean we should be demonizing the other sides, right? Um, well, Matthew and I, of course, we examined this article and we're going to tell you exactly why we think you should shove it up your ass. Uh, and then, of course, as any op-ed piece uh, goes, politically speaking, it, it wouldn't be a political op-ed if you didn't, in fact declare the other side Nazis. So we'll talk a little bit about the Nuremberg events, uh, Nuremberg trials, just to kind of wrap it all up at the end. And to be fair, that we're the ones calling them Nazis. It's not uh, that I don't think she mentioned Nazis in that article. It's uh, we're we're the one throwing the Nazis in there. What is that political theory? Um, There was this guy that, oh, I can't think of his name, but it was essentially like his he has his own little like thesis or theorem or whatever. And it's like given enough time internet comments will dive into nazism and it's like <laughs> it's kind of like the old wikipedia game where you have to start on google you know wikipedia article for the color blue and get all the way to you know the civil war in america and you get see, seven yeah. turns 
it's like within seven comments, any conversation could turn to either being called Nazis or the N-word being uh, posted one or the other. Which uh, allegedly has skyrocketed um, since Elon <laughs> took over Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, because that's one of those things like I don't I don't run to the Internet to say that word. If I say that word, it is said with passion to somebody who is literally right in front of me. Um <laughs> Like uh, in the mirror every morning when you wake up, or oh yeah, maybe you know it's like <laughs> if it calls for it, a little motivation. <laughs> if, it, if it if it calls for it, I'm not above it, you know. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that there's like an internet tally, a, a Twitter tally uh, of n words, uh, be it the the Nazi word or the other one. Um, but I I would say that I would postulate that a lot of people who are a little bit more loose with the n word, the latter of the two. Are probably getting back on Twitter nowadays. Yeah, you never know. And it's also it's like it's not the end of the world. Which said the M word, whatever. That's that's a top <laughs> different topic for another day. That's it's actually... one of these things. You know, it's it's part of this conversation too, though. When it comes to free speech, you know, there are these cases to be made as to why certain things shouldn't be said and why it would be better off if we didn't say them. Unfortunately, the things we're worried about are people saying naughty words, these peasants saying naughty words to each other, and not people lying to your face blatantly about whether it be COVID lockdowns or why we need to go to war in a certain country or or uh, whether a certain conflict was unprovoked or whether we had our hand in, in uh, using the CIA to kind of needle point some of these issues around the world. Absolutely. Those type of things. But before we digress, as we do so well, I do want to thank both of our sponsors. First and foremost, Public Kings for Pedophiles. You know about them. And once again, I'm just going to keep calling you guys out. We know that the listeners of this show are not soft on the issues that matter. And we as liberty-loving people want to see human trafficking and pedophilia abolished. And that's what PHFP is working towards today. PHFP made their Q3 donation to Thorn after much reading. They fell in love with their transparency and it was clear and concise that human trafficking, that fighting human trafficking is what they do. I was about to say, it's what they do. It's Thorn. They, they human traffic. I'm just kidding. That's, uh, that's, that's slander. Please don't sue me. No, we all know that Thorn fights human trafficking. That's what they do. But of course, all of this is only possible with your direct support. So go to ph-fp.com and check out what they have to offer. There is something for everybody in that store. Don't get caught without one of their patches on your plate carriers. Don't get caught going on a family vacation without a t-shirt that will really get some good conversation going on. It's the holidays coming up. So make sure you wear a nice like centerpiece just to really galvanize the family gathering, you know, start just sticking in the craws of all your relatives. <laughs> that want to avoid uncomfortable conversations um so don't don't think about it go be about it go do it so go to ph-fp.com support them you help support the show but as always most importantly you do help support survivors and that's why they do the damn thing public hangings for pedophiles turning awareness into action I like that that has become a little bit of a kind of our version of the meme. That's like, if you think Joe Biden should go to jail forever, click like right now. And it's like, uh, if you're, if you don't support pedophiles, go buy some stuff. You know? Right. I know it's, it's uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to do that. And I'm happy to wave that. It's a good one. And, and that flag the one them. big difference is this one has some tangible results to the end of it where it'll actually happen. Right. It's not just you scoring like meaningful, points for your buddies online. Yeah, meaningful, meaningful progress can be made 
with your real support, with your real monies, though they be fiat. Different conversation for a different day. <laughs> and our second sponsor, we are more than stoked to have them on the show. First World Comic. Welcome to the First World, a practically post-apocalyptic, slightly mad magazine, Alice in Wonderland version of a dark dystopian reality that is frequently similar to ours in a dimension not quite far enough away, some shit went down, sending us down a dark, slightly moist, satirical rabbit hole. Our reality takes the sitter route when the leader or mother-obsessed cult murders the Messiah monkey. That would be Harambe. Go check out what they have in the works at firstworldcomic.com. Pre-order your copy, sign up for their Patreon, stay up to date on all things First World. Again, that is firstworldcomic.com. First World Comic. Sit down, strain, and try not to melt. <laughs> I love it. Matthew's done some practicing on that read. I see it's, it's gotten a little sharper. <laughs> I have. You can't, you know, it's one of those things. If somebody's willing to support this show, the, the least I can do is not butcher their read, you know. <laughs> and again, it's, though this one may not have as, as direct the tangible results that were uh, immediate results that we're looking for with the uh, PHFP. I mean, this is part of what we're talking about. This is the Oedipus of what this channel is that we're trying out here of this No Kings Network, ourselves, Jamie Kane, and our, all of our new members that have uh, started trickling in, who I don't remember right now. I'm very sorry. Everyone. <laughs> committed that to memory before I started the speech. <laughs> but that's what we're all here for, is to help promote this culture of liberty and freedom and, and not living under the boot of the government. And in order to do so, we have to start kind of building up these pillars of the culture for people to latch onto. Eventually, people can become fans. Somebody can go to the site uh, to look at first world comics and see they have this uh, third eye open chimpanzee Joe Rogan, which is very like, I do, I subtle, do like it. <laughs> subtle, but also like wonderful in your face. For exactly you know exactly Rogan who is, it is. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's what we're trying to do here, guys, is promote other platforms out there that are of the same ilk that believe in freedom and liberty and, and the ability to make your own goddamn choices without some king telling you what to do. And that's what these guys believe in. Uh, and they have some very interesting comics along the way as well that give you a good giggle. Uh, and are, uh, I would have to say some, some interesting artwork as well. I really like their illustrations over there. I do too. Absolutely. So those are our sponsors. Go check them out. Pandemic Amnesty. No fucking way. You guys, <laughs> you guys can shove that one right up. Yo, poop shoot. It's not happening. It's just not going to happen. In an article titled, Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty by Emily Oster from The Atlantic, a message of forgiveness that is proposed to move us forward as a nation after the years that we spent reeling, you know, just uh, just completely destroyed by the pandemic. Stop the culture wars. Stop the political infighting. There's a way to move around more, more productively, right? That's what Logan's talking about. That's what we're here. Peace and unity. Gusfraba. Namaste. But there's a certain group of people <laughs> that that should be extended to. And of course, we always have caveats and nuances, and we'll dive into that. But for the most part, the people that have actually been uh, you know, perpetuating and supporting the COVID regime there can be no amnesty for them. Yeah. And there's a lot of language in this article that she writes where it's all about uh, uh, specifically talking about like, well, there's the, the idea of being doomed to repeat your own history, but there's also this idea of being stuck in a cycle of hate and not being able to let go of the past, which are both concepts that have some value. They do. The problem with that being certainly, I think 
we need to release a little bit of that vitriol and hate towards our fellow peasants at this level. And so even those people who were so brainwashed as to, you know, have been following all these edicts and, and maybe even yelled down you for not following all these edicts, or perhaps they reported you to some government official because you weren't following the rules or got you fired at your job or whatever the case may have been. It is. And the, the point she makes in it over and over in this article is that we were given bad information that we weren't able. Now, every time she gives an example of bad information, it's always like bleach in the veins. It's all, it's always yeah, one it's of all the like, right wing like conspiracy theorists. Yeah. She never brings up the, uh, anything state sponsored about, like, mis- misinformation. Wrong. Exactly. Yeah. The state sponsored stuff gets brushed over, uh, quite lightly in this article when she's bringing up that idea. Uh, but I, I can sympathize with that a little bit that we shouldn't be having this vitriol for each other because we're losing target over who we really need to be fighting which is a big message we do in the show a lot that we need right. to be focused on those who rule over us because they are the tyrants. The tyrant is not the person promoting the ruler. They're dumb. They're confused. There are many they tyrants. They're right. There are many they, they tyrants. Have, you yeah, can't so give they, them. Can't give them a complete pass. But but it's not the head of the snake. It, you're right. That is correct. And in some cases, they are manipulated and, and simply not smart enough to understand that they are the pawns in the scheme or haven't had the the wool pulled off from over their eyes yet. Right. However. The thing that bugged me about this article is it never once points to the people who intentionally lied to us over and over again for a political agenda, the people that made tons of money during this pandemic, the people for- whose businesses flourished and were allowed to continue to stay open even though they uh, shut down everybody else's small business. Yeah, there's there's a couple of thoughts I have on that. First, just to try to still man her argument because I can understand. I don't think that this is... I know that we is this is, you know, just trying to reflect inwardly because it's really important that we do this as the liberty community, because I think that sometimes we can get on our high horse because we think that we see a way through the muck and the mire to try to create a better society that we sometimes act like our shit doesn't stink. And so before we just condemn this person, like, oh, so, you know, like, fuck her, essentially, I do understand. And don't worry, we will get there. We will get there. But I also have tried to like understand, you know, and and I just pull from things that I that I know and that uh, relate to me. And so if you look at the idea, because she even uses the word genocidaire in that article, she talks about when she was trying to, you know, at, at a certain point when she is pushing like, hey, maybe we should get back to the classroom. And she's like, oh, you just want to kill teachers. You're a teacher murderer. And then she was like, I, I was like into a genocidaire. If you take it from that perspective, trying to break the cycle of hate actually has a very powerful and, you know, it, it, it's, it's important. It, it's actually very crucial work because what comes to my mind is the cycle of genocides that you start to see in Africa, where specifically like the Rwandan genocide comes to my mind, right? Okay, so like the Dutch are in control and they do a lot of terrible policies there. I think it's the Belgians, I'm not sure. One of the, it's the Dutch or the Belgians, one of those countries right there um, in the lowlands that had, that was the unfortunate recipient of two world war invasion routes to France. Um, I don't know which one it is, but anyways, they create a caste system of the society. And when they leave, that caste system now becomes the identification point for essentially oppression 
that the other then gets to, you know, it's the Hutu and the Tutsis. And at a certain point, by the time the Rwandan genocide actually happens, you have this long string of events that nobody really remembers who did what to whom first. It was just like, well, they did that to my parents. And then they say, well, they did this to my grandparents, right? And so if just to try to still man her argument, it is important for us to dive into like the limits of forgiveness. And now I'm just, now I'm just rambling, but I'm gonna keep going. Um, There's a fantastic book called The Sunflower for all of those who would like a, an, a, a really good story on the limits of forgiveness. And it's from this guy named Simon Wiesenthal, who is essentially asked by an SS officer on his deathbed to come. And the SS officer asked the Jew, like, as can Simon Wiesenthal as a Jew forgive him and the Nazis for what they've done? And he just walks away. He doesn't answer. And then there's a symposium of like 26 people that write in trying to answer that, like the limits of forgiveness. It's actually a really good book. Um, so just so, so before we just say pandemic amnesty, no fucking way. I think that it is important for us though, to actually sit down and try to purse out where forgiveness actually should be due and where there has to be some sort of justice. And that's all I'm trying to say is that we need to do the mental exercise. This is not a one size fits all. This cannot be a French revolution style terror type thing. And I know no one's advocating for that, but I'm just saying like we have to do better. And so I don't hate the, maybe the idea if we want to still man her argument behind this article, that's all I'm trying to say. And it's, it's not that she was incorrect in that sentiment. It's that her scope was incorrect in that sentiment in my yes, mind. I agree. She she sees and it's it's that same kind of political compass thing where most people see a left and a right. And what they don't see is that everything's decided for you by the very top 10% of authoritarians on both sides. So the way the paradigm she's seeing this in, and she says it several times, she uses the the term COVID scorecard. You know, that we shouldn't be using this. And she is right to a certain extent on that. That it is annoying if all you're doing is harping about how you were right and beating your chest and going, I knew this vaccine was BS. I knew COVID wasn't a big deal. It's fine to point that out. But if that's the only thing you have and you don't have solutions or you don't know why you were right or are able to articulate to that people, you have to be able to take that next step and say, I was right about COVID. And I'm not here to tell you that because I want to have the points of being right on social media. I'm telling you that because the reason I was right on COVID was because I understand the inner workings of how a government works. And I know that governments are a tool for evil just as effectively as they're a tool for good. And that in this particular aspect, this was clearly a power grab. Yeah. No, that's that's a, that's a very important distinction to make. And that's why we spend time in the nuance, because that's where I think that's where a lot of times we as liberty people lose outsiders or liberty curious people when mm-hmm. we sit in our circles and we beat our chest about why we're right why we're right why we're right without ever actually you know and and i understand that there's a lot there's a large swath of the population that we will yeah. never convert well, over to liberty but we can't ostracize those that can join our ranks just because we are so ready to say i told you so and i'm not saying right. that there's a lot of because a lot of people that's one thing as you get older it's there's not a lot of satisfaction that's derived from I told you so. Usually by the time that you get to say I told you so, you're just like, I don't want to say it because this isn't good. Yeah. 
I, I told you so. And also we already watched the largest upward transfer of wealth in human history occur. So right. And what's it matter that I was right? And that's one thing that though now to now to start bashing and to slash and because that's, you know, this is this is what radicalized me. And, uh, you know, it was it was covid. It was in before covid. I was a political moderate. I wasn't I wasn't a strong like lefty or a righty or a libertarian or an authoritarian. I was like one of your like garden variety grilling centrist, so to speak, to reach in like the political compass memes. You know, that's what I was. I voted for libertarians before, but didn't identify one for damn, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't who I was, but this is what pushed me over the edge. This is what galvanized me. This is what red pilled me. This is where Logan started talking to me while we're playing PlayStation during the pandemic about, Hey, have you ever heard of this guy named Dave Smith? And I'm listening to him while I take showers. And and as I go about my day and all of a sudden like, huh, there's something to be said about that. Exclusively when I take showers. Yeah. You liked that image. I I saw your eyes light up. (laughs) I saw it. We (laughs) For all those that will never see this video, Logan's eyes lit up when I talked about being in the shower uh, listening to Dave Smith. (laughs) It's just practicality because you're already hard when you listen to Dave Smith anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> it's just natural extension. But <laughs> I, I have such issue with this article. Natural extension. And it's I have such like it bugs me to my core because our first episode was Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Safety, where we condemned the COVID regime. This is like we came out, our introduction into the podcast world came out of the gate swinging at this topic. And time and time again, we have ranted and raged over the outreaches and the overreaches and the extremes and lasting impacts and the crimes against humanity that was waged in the name of safety. This is what we have talked about And you don't get to after two years of screeching like you're killing grandma or, oh, if you don't get the vaccine, you're going to suffer a winter of death and disease. And two years of groups of people advocating for more state control, the shutdown of small businesses, the losses of wages and livelihoods, PPP fraud, the largest transfer of wealth in human history. You don't get to just say my bad. Like the audacity almost, (laughs) the absolute audacity for you to just go, we're good, right? No, we are not good. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's a lot of what we're trying to do today too, I think, is to add the context to this. Like you said, we like the nuances. We like the gray area. We want to talk about this. What do we always pride ourselves at in the liberty community, libertarians? We love debates. We love that the idea that if free speech prevails – And we're all able to get our thoughts into the marketplace of ideas that our ideas are going to win. But what is the first thing you do when you get ready for a debate? You sit down and you look at all of the parameters and do the research and you make sure what the pros and cons are. You get, I believe, a list. I never did a formal debate myself. I believe you get a list of their arguments, essentially, their pros and cons and what they're going to go into. That's what we're here to do today a little bit is to shift it because we're reading this article and her idea is we need to provide amnesty for everybody who was wrong about COVID. And in her article, she opens it up with telling a story about an anecdote of her and her family doing all the right things and wearing the cloth mask while they're outdoors and even comes to a point where her young four-year-old, another child gets too close to him on a bridge while they're on a hike one day and he screams at him in all caps, her own typing in the article in all caps, social distancing because he doesn't want this other child to kill him. And I think that, I mean, for one, is a pretty 
marking view of the psychology that goes into that. And we'll go into that a little bit more uh, here in a second, but it shows a little bit of the kind of the ignorance on her idea of the topic that she sees both herself as the mother who put a mask on her four-year-old and terrified him into thinking he can't even talk to other four-year-olds in outdoor settings because of this virus in the air. And she's saying she's the same as Fauci and that we need to provide amnesty because I shouldn't get yelled at. I'm just a liberal dope who put a mask on my kid because they told me there's a pandemic and you're yelling at me and Fauci at the same time. And on some level, she is correct. We don't need to be screaming in her face about this. We need to be explaining to her, look, this is why I saw the writing on the wall. This is why I knew this was a bad idea. And this is why I knew that this government overreach was going to be a greater detriment to us than any virus ever was going to be. Yeah. And that's, that is the, I mean, that's what we do. We're here for the nuance living in the gray and the, but you talk about the psychology and that's really interesting because when you start looking at, there's a, a lot of research coming out now and there's a lot of conversations in, in the mainstream media. I mean, it's like, and that's why I, I say this like week in and week out and I just feel like a robot, but I'd like, that's why I listen to Smirconish in the morning is because that is my best way to get my pulse on the finger of what's like modern or like moderate Americans are thinking like the, so the proclaimed moderate independent American, like that is probably the best cross section of any show in the country about what these people are and what they're saying. And when you start getting like, when it starts to get covered on Smirconish, you know, that that's like, huh, that's like, this is now acceptable. It's in the average zeitgeist. It is right. Like this <clears> isn't <throat> this isn't outrageous. He's not pushing the envelope with this. But when you start like having when they start talking about oh like what were the consequences of this and did we keep our did we keep our children out of school too long and when you I just am so curious about like the the detrimental long term psychological effects that these policies have had because I mean mm-hmm. we we know. That, that that like math scores and reading scores are down. We know that we have stunted children's development because they couldn't see facial cues because we they had mask on. We know that social learning created one of the largest discrepancies in educational outcomes that we've ever seen. And the long-term prognosis for any child that went to school during the pandemic is significantly worse than when we went to school. And I'm not like Logan and I went to really good public school, you know, and that's one thing that kind of like blew my mind because like public schools in Texas, a lot of them are phenomenal, better than a lot of private schools. And then to go to a state now, like New Mexico is 50th in education and you see what public bad public schools are. And it's like, Holy shit. Like they're already at a detriment, but then to know that COVID put them further behind it's like i have to work with these people like these people are going to be my peers in 10 years and it's not good how great would it be we talk a lot on the show about the propaganda machine that is the state and what it pumps out and how school in a, a sense is in fact just simply that you're of course you're learning some decent things along the way you're also learning how to sit in a cubicle for eight hours a day and not talk back and be a good tax cattle yeah uh, what if what if this was the the spurring point for we had two years of kids who weren't in state propaganda shooling. And what if this is what wakes them all up and that they're the generation that ultimately brings down the state, ironically, because of the COVID prep policies? That would be I like your attitude. Mm-hmm. I like your spin on that. And that's actually like we're seeing that because there's a there's a small little charter school where I live and 
numbers are down because parents are pulling their kids out and homeschooling them. And like, that's actually something that's going on right now in my community is the parents are just like, they're not sending them to public school. They're not even sending them to a really good charter school in the state. They're, they're pulling them out and they're homeschooling them. And so that is like kind of the white pill in this mo in this moment is that there will be a good, like there's going to be, there's going to be a think, uh... subset of people that do that. But I also think that that's not the huge chunk of, the children, I right. I think a lot of kids yeah, it's, are just going like, to go back to public. It takes school a commitment and be. It left takes a, behind, a large, so. a large time commitment and energy commitment from you as a parent to homeschool your kid. It is a lot of responsibility uh, to take it. So it is easier, especially if somebody's working two or three jobs as a single parent. Yeah, I understand or, why you or have to both make parents have to work. Yeah, absolutely. Like mm -hmm. there's a like the circumstances that allow you to homeschool your kid aren't easy to obtain. Right. It, it takes a, there's a, uh, a gatekeeper to that, so to speak. Um, I do think too, though, another big factor in this is, I mean, how many kids were schooled from home and people got to, for the first time, listen to their children's educators speak yeah. and not even speaking on like radical political views that might make you want to pull them out of class. But how many times did you listen to some dippy 22 year old teacher who was fresh out of college and realized like, Oh, this is not an intelligent person that's teaching my child. Right. And even more so, I mean, they're still having trouble with teachers right now because they all went home for a while. And you have this idea, this lofty goal that like education, I mean, people get into education because they love to educate because they want to help people right. because it's not a high paying field. But I think oh. they might have realized a little bit is that some of these people maybe either didn't find a degree in another field or realize they didn't have a passion for teaching or maybe they didn't get that. Uh, MRS degree that they were planning for in college and, and rich, uh, marry a rich individual to, to make sure they didn't have to work. And then when they were given this free pass to go home and halfway pay attention to kids while they're in their pajamas all day and you wanted to come back, they start throwing fits and figuring out, you know, uh, and uh, certainly some of them are afraid of the virus. I will say that a lot of them hid behind that excuse because they didn't want to go back to work. Yeah, Absolutely. No, that's there. I mean, I even sat in on school board meetings up here about that very same topic and it was all virtual. So it was really easy for me to, you know, just like get in the, you know, just click in from home. But that was a huge debate up here about like teachers. Was like, that your probably... big aha moment? And they're like, you, it's perfectly adequate to teach from the, the computer at home. And you're like, really, is it? Because I've been touching myself inappropriately this entire meeting. I did not say that, uh, <laughs> and I was not touching myself. If you can, if you can, here's here's like in all honesty, if you can have if you can have a boner and rub one out while a school board meeting is going on, you are a stronger individual than I am. <laughs> I just that's there's nothing sexy about that. Probably depends on the uh, school board's uh, membership. I would say. Yeah, but even then. It's like, <laughs> even then, don't have any, maybe, maybe, uh, 15 years ago when, when those hormones were a little more sp uh, spiky in yeah, my maybe, system. maybe, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, like I said, if you can do, if you can pull, if you can rub one out on a school board meeting, I, I applaud you like good job. Like that's You're a uh, superhero. <laughs> that's, that's some, that's some next level shit that I'll never understand. <laughs> oh, whatever gets you there, you know, yeah, have our kinks. However, some people yeah. like feet. Some people like uh, unwitting Zoom 
meetings. <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. I'm not here to I'm not here to shame your kink or whatever it is. Like don't don't kink my shame or whatever. <laughs> whatever that saying is. Also <laughs> want to point out a little bit here. I I think it was almost perfect that her own child in this article is four years old. So probably two years old when the pandemic started, but any, any kid within specifically that age range, what is your earliest memory? Have you ever done that thought? I think it's a fun experiment uh, to run anyway. I, I, I do that thought often trying to think of earlier memories in my life, but I think it's just a fun thought to have of like, what is the earliest memory that you can conjure up in your head? For me, it was, I was between three and four years old moving into Hart, Texas, and I was standing in the back of the mover's truck as the boxes were being put into the garage of the new house. And that was kind of like my, like everything clicked all of a sudden. And I was a conscious human being. Right. Since three and a half ends. years old. <laughs> yeah. I don't really remember living in Nebraska before that. I just remember like, oh, I have a new house today we're moving into. And I looking at all of my things in boxes in this garage. It was just a, a it was like the, something went off, oh. like a, a flashbang grenade went off in Call of Duty. And all of a sudden I could, I have memories from that point on. I'm sentient. <laughs> <laughs> I am now sentient. But that same way, I don't know if you came up with a, a cute memory you wanted to share during that time. <laughs> no, just go for it. <laughs> but I'll, in that I'll, same think, way, I'll think about it. I'll interrupt we're later. <laughs> we're talking about children that are three years old when this pandemic started and are five years old now. So every memory in their life and all of their early memories are going to be of face mask and of fear of interaction with other people if they get within six feet of you in public and all of these other draconian rules and and. It, you don't, they're coming online and beginning to socialize during a period of human history that is not going to prepare them to be socialized for the rest of their lives, I would think. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a weird one and it's a tough one and I have no idea, right? There's, I have no way to try to quantify the long-term damage, but I can tell you that it wasn't good. There's no, there's like no, and would you, and I appreciate you pointing out like some little like snippets here and there of like some positive bastions that we can lean on and hope for in the future. But I think that for the vast majority of children, it's not good. Like the prognosis is, is worse for them than it was if the pandemic had never happened. And of course there are going to be those that, you know, make it to West Berlin, so to speak. And those that, you know, but I think that when when we look at this particular issue, we left the vast majority of our children in East Berlin and it's not good. And there was like, I don't even know how I came across this, but I was listening to Dr. Phil. Oh, yeah, I got in, I got into a vehicle and it was being played. Um, Dr. Phil was on Joe Rogan the other day and it was like right in the middle of the podcast and they were talking about reading scores just being down across the board and. Dr. Phil was talking about and say like, however you feel about those people, I don't care. Like your reaction is on you. Um, but Dr. Phil was talking about like up to the, like children are learning to read up to the third grade, but then after the third grade, they're reading to learn. And so if you didn't get those good cognitive abilities to actually read when you're in first, second and third grade, then you are at a severe disadvantage moving forward and there's no way to and so that's like that's but that's what we're talking about in this episode is that the people that advocated to mask your children even though that we knew that children were not huge spreaders even though that we knew that children's symptoms were they were either asymptomatic or it was very mild for the people that set on high and demanded that you mask your child 
and create these long-term unquantifiable disadvantages. They do not get amnesty in this. There cannot be. I mean, their forgiveness can come with justice. I think at that point, but you don't get to, but you don't get a pass for that. Right. And it's, again, it's this idea that I, I can sympathize with the not keeping the COVID scorecard and not running around and just screaming at people. I was right. I was right. You were wrong. You're dumb. I'm smart, but there is a lesson to be learned here. And you can't learn that lesson by just simply sweeping this under the rug. We have to first do a little bit of chastising. There's a classroom. We got to get out the ruler. Do a little spanking first. Do the do the the angry nun. Seeing <laughs> the angry nun in Catholic school, smack your hand with a ruler. <laughs> oh, glad we a, uh, didn't have I, to throw up in Catholic school. I know. I have a friend that went to Catholic school out east, and he always talks about how mean those nuns were. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like they were not nice. He's like, I don't know how else to say it. They were not cool. <laughs> it's a, a lifelong of uh, repressed sexual tension with no relief. I can understand why a person would get cranky. That comes out just like smacking kids with rulers because yeah, being, being little boys with rulers ice forward hush. <laughs> and even worse they committed to a life of chastity and uh dedication to the lord jesus christ and meanwhile they're watching all the dudes in the church diddle these kids like it's no big deal they get to the guy late. <laughs> There it is. No chill. <laughs> Didn't even make it an hour into the episode before we really hit you guys with no chill. Um, it's just it's just what we do now. The more and more I listen back and edit these podcasts, man, sometimes. But it's just you guys tune in. So I guess you know what you're getting. But yeah, on that level that like just once again, just to like dwell on this caveat before we keep moving, there should be a level of forgiveness that needs to be applied here. But that forgiveness, this should be extended to your friend that was a little gun shy of COVID because I had them. I have them. You know, that didn't break our friendship that they weren't super comfortable going to a party with 20 other people there. That's okay. Like that person, there's like forgiveness should be extended to them as long as they were advocating for terrible things to happen to the other. But the person that just like, I'm not, super comfortable going to that party tonight like that person should be forgiven because that's their choice not to go to a party and you know and like yeah get cut them some slack or better yet there's no slack to be cut because that's their own choice to be had you know like it should like that forgiveness should be extended to the small business in your community that had the mask and they had the sign on and they just politely said hey can you please put a mask on? I'm just trying to stay open. And I know that there's all these people, well, defiance is the mantra and we don't do, do you know? And it's like, or they're just trying to keep their lights on at the house. Either go shop somewhere else or politely put a mask on. But like that person that wasn't an asshole, the shopkeeper that was just like, yo, please. Yeah. Your local bartender doesn't make any of the corporate edicts that get passed down. He's just there to sling two drinks and he makes $2 an hour before you tip him. Absolutely. Like those, like those type of people, forgiveness should be extended to because at the end of the day, man, they're just trying to make it. They're not, they didn't right. make these, they didn't make these COVID protocols. They have the misfortune of having the state put the enforcement on small businesses and their industry got overregulated. And it's like that's not on them. That's and I will def, I will defend those people. Like that is where forgiveness should be extended to. Forgiveness should be extended to reasonable people that made reasonable choices about their life but never advocated for the covid regime that's like, that's right there is amnesty who, here and i would even extend that amnesty to people who 
did advocate for the COVID regime with a caveat. Because right now we got some scribbles on the blackboard. But that lesson's not sunk in yet. This is a complex uh, semester of study that we have to go through to get you caught up. You know, you got three. Yeah, you got some take home work. You got some midnight assignments. You're going to write some papers, take a midterm, and, and then we'll have a final test. And if you come up with an A at that final test, then absolutely we can extend that amnesty to you. And we don't have to have this big civil war fight. But we have to examine what happened over these last two years examine exactly what we gave up in that we already mentioned the largest transfer of wealth from the bottom class to the upper class in human history, the extension of all sorts of different government programs where they can lock you down for anything. Now they're already talking about behind closed doors about doing this for climate change in the future. They're going to destroy your economy. Again, we're looking at inflation. We're looking at the the gas price increase. We're looking at the increase of, of goods. We still have trouble at the restaurant I work at and getting all the goods in that we have where we're out of stuff constantly. And I have to explain to people, yes, this is because of all the lockdowns, because essentially after two years of it, I get it. The lockdowns are over. A lot of people went out of business during that time. A lot of people lost their jobs during that time because they didn't get vaccinated. A lot of people had to, to move on with their lives and find other ways to make livings off of the grid in a certain areas because they weren't able to, to live a certain, a, a regular life in the state that they live in because these crackdowns came down. So that amnesty is there. However, First, before you can be extended that amnesty, you have to get the right message. You've got to learn the right lesson and hopefully listen to this episode of the podcast. Yeah. And it is. And I mean, that's, I like what you said, man, because there is, there is room for forgiveness here. Her, maybe I think she is misguided. And I think at the end of the day, she's wrong. Um, but I can, I can. That's, that's the nicer alternative because the other one is that she's a paid government shill. Yes, and is probably guilty of treason if that is the case. But just to be kind, I think that she's wrong. And it's important that we do these thought experiments to still man the other's arguments so that we actually do understand what we are talking against. And to a certain extent, yeah, there is forgiveness that needs to be extended because, I mean, we've done an episode on this too. Like, like is the is the rise of cancel culture negating a very important aspect, you know, forgiveness? And it's it's biblical. And I know that not everybody uh, subscribes to biblical beliefs. And I mean, Logan and I have even said, like, we're agnostic. We're not here to convert or deconvert anybody to anything. But there is like the, I lo- the principle and the foundations of a society that can actually forgive but as we've talked about in the past, like forgiveness only comes after atonement and atonement must be extended from the party that has done the wrong. And you don't get to just throw up your hands and say, our bad, we're all cool. There's no atonement with that. <laughs> there's no there's no effort to actually right your wrongs. And so for those that actually do, you know, try to atone. I think that there should be a level of forgiveness, even if they are of the, even if they're up in the upper echelons, you know, I'm not saying that they get a pass, but I think mm-hmm. that justice and forgiveness must come to those that are willing to atone for what they've done. Right. It's that thing of, this is a lesson we should have already learned. I mean, I already said it once in this episode, to think about the war in the Middle East, of all the different countries we invaded after 9-11, based on false information, based on people lying to your face, and all of it's come out now, granted years and years later, because it took time for all of these documents to surface and for people to decide that they retired of being part of the grotesque machine that is the military industrial complex. And, and you know, Snowden had to get a hold of some documents and people whistleblowers leaking some mm-hmm. things. But eventually what we found out is they lied to you. 
They knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. Uh, the real driving fact of that war to why Saddam Hussein got killed had nothing to do with 9-11, had a lot more to do with him going off of the oil dollar, which is, again, something we beat the drum on a lot on this show. Uh, we invade countries that mess with the econo- economic system that we set up and forced upon the world. Yep. But all those same people are on the news right now. Besides a couple <laughs> that retired. Yeah, they they're sure all right are, there. They? They're all telling they were all on the news this year telling you why we needed 15 days to slow the curve and why you had to get vaccinated and that you were a piece of garbage if you didn't. That narrative continued because we didn't learn that lesson. We gave that amnesty to these people. <laughs> Those people are less. still on TV. I never even put that together. You're right. They're still there. I've never, yeah. it's one of those things that you know, but until it's like somebody says it out loud and it actually like clicks and it's like, and you know, it's like the Bill Burr uh, argument. And he's like, oh, like as soon as, you know, somebody says, and it like sucks the matrix backs from your face and you can yeah. suddenly see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course, like they're still on TV. And what was the guy that lied about, you know, his helicopter getting shot at in Iraq. And then he was disgraced from one network and then he ended up being on another and he's still Just on the got air today. Job. yeah i, I remember that story rallies. i can't think of who it was um, but yeah it's exactly what we're talking about how many reporters we saw sniffing backpacks and going yeah it definitely it definitely smells like mustard gas I yeah like because that's what you do that's what you do after a chemical <laughs> attack you pick up an appropriate reaction that's what i, to, that's what I do sniffing. you know that's no what mass, I, no none of that <laughs> just it's <laughs> yeah, that's good that's good mustard uh, gas <laughs> smells mustardy <laughs> oh man and that's just the... glad they didn't use ketchup glass i'm a, I'm allergic to nightshade vegetables <laughs> that's so dumb <laughs> and that's like so we've given our caveats and we've still manned the argument for the other side and it is important to point out though moving forward that when she talks about because now we're now we're in our full-blown critique mode um when she starts talking about well you know every like People, unless you were willfully spreading misinformation, get a pass. And it's like, oh, you mean the uh, the the misinformation from the conspiracy nut jobs that and the likes of them, right? It's not the uh, it's not the blatant misinformation that was propagated by the state. In fact, you know, there's that nice article that just surfaced. You know, I think it was just yesterday, a time of recording, that there was leaks from the Department of Health Services that revealed coordination between Twitter. Facebook, and other social media platforms for content moderation and takedown requests to the point that they were meeting once a week during the election to make sure that everyone was on the same page. But it's not that misinformation that we need to critique and you know, condemn, right? It's it's just the bleach in the veins and and the and the hydrochloroquine Which, and the the what are the uh, monoclonal antibodies and all these other things. Or better yet, <laughs> sunlight and exercise. What a no, no, it's none of that misinformation. Which again, again, if we're keeping score, if you want to be crazy about this, <laughs> Not that we you want to go down. <laughs> let's think about are. what the misinformation was on those two sides. The stuff that they would say is not a big deal because they're bootlickers. All this stuff from the government. Well, have you ever Things actually like, tasted the boot? Rubber actually tastes pretty good when it's on your neck. I'm just I, flavor profile is uh, different. I guess rubber, maybe a leather would would suffice a little bit more. I I did get oh in you chew on the top league. side of the boot. Oh yeah, you're, yeah, oh yeah yeah yeah. Because uh, so, I'm maybe that's I'm like a, a government official type of position. You get to uh, chew okay. on the leather. Because okay. I've only <laughs> I've only ever tasted the rubber. 
<laughs> Maybe there's something in there about like a, a leather chaser. Somebody's trying to get promoted to a leather liquor, <laughs> get off the rubber, the rubber underside of the boot. <laughs> we'll come back to that one. There's something there. There's, there's something, something funny there. I haven't got to yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's something there. <laughs> Put that under the hat. <clears throat> but anyway, so things like lying you into the war in Iraq or telling you that uh, these vaccines will completely stop COVID and that there are no side effects whatsoever. They're 99.9% effective. They're, they're perfect. All those lies, not the ones we want to talk about. And then she gave an example of one of these terrible lies from the right, and it was bleach in the veins. That's a fucking meme. Somebody's trolling. Mm-hmm. That was not a serious thing that anybody on the right was proposing with any earnesty to say, this is what we believe on the right as an anti-vaxxers. That was some kid fucking with people online. I actually want to say that I might I might be wrong here, but I want to say that that came from Donald Trump. I really do. The I I in my in my gut it tells me that it originated from something that he said. And I want to say that it was probably in the same conversation when he was talking about UV lights and if there was a way that we could get uv lights into the veins or into the stomach i that's i want to say i might be wrong so fact check me on that you are you are correct it did come from a statement donald trump made but again i don't think it was an earnest statement i think this is donald trump just saying some bullshit yeah i don't think he got up there and said this is a way to fight covid (laughs) granted yes that is a form of misinformation that's fair but it's also but it's but you know what it's like if you at that point are taking anything that Donald Trump says with a serious vein, that's on you. Like shame, like shame, like shame on you. It's 20, it's, it's 2020. We've had we've had three and a half years of his nonsense. And if you if you're gonna sit there and take that one, and shame on the mainstream media too. But of course they have no soul. And that's like, that's part of that too, of that that lumping everybody together and that category falsely categorizing us. There's not many of us in this liberty community who are saying Donald Trump's got it right. We all criticize Donald Trump. I've called Donald Trump a war criminal on this podcast, what, 50 times? We've done 72 probably. episodes now. Yeah. So I've, <laughs> I've said it more times than not probably throughout or at least hinted at or said that all presidents in my lifetime are war criminals. These are all some of my catchphrases. These are things right. I like to throw out there. Things we, we say get, consistently. You know, the things that like our, our actors will say when we get the sitcom rolling uh, about our lives. <laughs> <laughs> but point standing. The side I'm coming from, I didn't ever say put bleach in your veins. I thought it was a troll job. I might have, you know, I still think it's a troll job. I think somebody saw Trump say that and they tried to, they boosted it out to trying to fuck with people, essentially. Uh, uh, ne'er do wells online, trolls. Uh, the ne'er do wells. The ne'er do wells. Yeah. But just think of that point that they pointed, they dismissed all of these terrible edicts that were passed down to the government lying to you because that's what the government told them to. And then the one thing they came up with to say in this article was bleach in the veins. Right. It wasn't all the other ones you brought up just then turned out to be uh, pretty reasonable treatments for COVID. <laughs> yeah. It's not those things. It's the uh, it's it's with the nut jobs, the conspiracy theorist. And there's uh, there's like one before we dive into the like all the all the points you want to bring up. There's the there's the one comedian that talks about he's like, OK, I understand that. Maybe you don't believe in all conspiracies, but you don't believe in any conspiracy. Like you just think the government's out here batting a thousand. And it's like, what world do you live in? And that's kind of where that's the thing that bugs me about when you start diving into 
you know, these articles like this, or when you listen to radio shows like Michael Smirconish or Dan Abrams and stuff like that, where they, it's like, yeah, well, he's just a conspiracy nut job. And it's like, you say that, but is it really that outrageous for us to call bullshit on that? You know, it's like, that's, well, it's just, I think to, in order to dismiss somebody else's argument, I firmly believe that if you cannot argue the opposite side of what you believe for five minutes straight, you don't have a strong enough understanding of the subject matter to have that opinion. I agree. And it's that same thing. When somebody says some outrageous stuff, your knee-jerk reaction shouldn't necessarily be to be like, that guy's absolutely insane. You should go read some stuff first and then decide if that guy's insane. And if he is, great. That's wonderful. You can move on with your life and disregard everything he said. But if somebody's telling you that there are these evil government agencies that are doing all these terrible things and your response is, it's not what they taught us in school, bub, and you didn't do any outside reading, I I, I would say you're not the anti-conspiracy person. You're the anti-critical thinking person. Yeah. And I mean, to to bring home what we were talking about earlier, it's like the, the modern American foundation, educational foundation was, you know, uh, John D. Rockefeller sent, spent billions of dollars, you know, and I don't know if that's adjusted for inflation or if it's just billions at the time, because if it's billions at the time, it's really impressive, but it's still nonetheless impressive It's if it's billions just for inflation. But regardless, like he spent a lot of money creating like this, you know, like the national endowment of the educations, or I can't remember what the actual, and if I've slandered, like, uh, uh, you know, if I've misspoken here, I'm not, I'm not standing firm by that one, um, whatever society he created for this one, but they modeled it after the Prussian model of education and the, and the and the Prussian model of education because this is Prussia in the 1800s and they are intent on making good workers and good soldiers because they have because Germany has some big designs for Europe you know and that's the thing too where it's like Germany just doesn't everyone's just like oh how could the Germans do that it's like clearly you don't know history because the Germans have been plotting this one for 50 years by the time yeah it's like they've been they've been <laughs> waiting for this one for a long they raised like, <laughs> two generations ready for this already it's all that's all they've been working for actually is like the domination of Europe so what they do the Germans in the eight in the late 1800s in the early 1900s was what we do with Germans you win or you lose we're trying to win trying to win so I just wanted to take a little bit of time to highlight a couple of uh, COVID lies now these are not unwittingly minded you they are flat out lies that were passed down from government officials uh, to misrepresent what was happening um, that was again that's kind of what this episode is about we are willing to extend some level of amnesty to people but not to these lying bastards that benefited from all of this that continue to lie to you in the same way we had to learn that lesson from 9-11 and all the wars that followed and here we are 20 some odd years later and people are finally waking up to it yet john bolton's still a high level uh advising member to the presidential board who was one of the architects of said war so we clearly did not learn that lesson so it can't be that we just need to brush under the rug because that's what we did last time, right? We just kept on rolling and nobody really gave a shit. And 20 years later, we finally left and the Taliban are stronger than ever with all sorts of new weapons. Right. You, we spent uh, a trillion dollars. How many Americans died? How many Afghanis and Pakistanis did we kill in the process for to replace the Taliban with the Taliban? You mean insurgents? Yeah. <laughs> Slash yeah. 
future insurgents. <laughs> yeah, the terrorists. Goddamn children. Yeah. Goddamn baby terrorists. <laughs> the, uh, the, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so the first easy one to go on is 15 days to slow the spread. We all remember this narrative. They're going to shut down. In fact, I was excited when they said they were going to make me not go to work for two weeks. I'm like, I'm a video game nerd. I don't have to go to work. They're still going to pay us. Like, that's cool. Send me a check. I'll stay home. I want to play FIFA with Matthew anyway. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was March 2020 that it was 15 days to slow the spread. Uh, and then we did about two years indoors where businesses weren't open up. So obviously there. I mean, that was misleading. That was a long one, you know, and there was it's a long and two that, weeks. That was that was it was a long two weeks. And there was a uh what did so there's this uh there's a there's a there's a classical music festival where I'm at every summer. And last year we went and one of the guys was a composer, like a modern composer from New York, and he had a piece that would it was titled, it was something like, I can't remember the title, but essentially it was, it was just called air or that was kind of the idea. And he was talking about how like the pandemic made us rethink air, you know, where all of a sudden they told us that we have to stay inside, but now I'm in inside with recirculating air in an apartment <laughs> in New York city with a thousand other people that I don't know, but I can't go outside. And even you know, it was, it was even little things like that because this guy's not here to be political, you know. He's here, and he's like, he's a, he's a composer. He's a, and I, it was it was really cool too to see like the it was like the world debut of this, uh, you know, this performance, and it was super awesome. But even then, it's like that, like this guy's not political, but he's talking about like, yeah, you locked us in an apartment with a thousand other people to breathe recirculated air, you know, and that's, but that's the consequences of 15 days to slow the spread. Cause what did it turn into? It turned in, it was like 15 days to slow the spread or three jabs and you don't have your job. Like that was the progression <laughs> of how that happened. I like to, uh, that's not one that made the list on here, but uh, the idea that the way to avoid this respiratory virus was, don't go outdoors and breathe open air and, and be in the sunlight, <laughs> but stay indoors and lock yourself up. And I mean, you can still go to restaurants, but you, you do have to wear the the mask that doesn't actually stop anything and, and sit at the table with all the other people in the circulated air system. Well, we then know you're safe that, from COVID. Well, we know that COVID hovers at a range of like four and a half foot to eight foot. So you have to wear the mask when you're standing up. But as soon as you sit down at the table, it's different. Because COVID mm -hmm. doesn't actually permeate below that that threshold. It's, it's I think it's a, well, also it's has to do with the anatomy of the body and that at that right angle. Because there are those gentlemen who are Shaquille O'Neal sized uh, who are also safe while sitting. So I think something about the ninety degree angle of the body thwarts the uh, the spike protein from from taking hold on your respiratory system. Absolutely, I, it's science. I, I don't remember reading that specifically. Uh, but speculated, I, I think that's correct. No, I'm not. I'm pretty sure that there's like definitive research on that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> the the sitting COVID sitting techniques. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we uh, solved that one. <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to face masks then, since we just discussed that a little bit. So you guys may not recall, but at the beginning of this pandemic, everybody freaked out and started buying face masks. And Fauci went on the news and he told you, guys, face masks aren't doing anything. There's no reason for you to buy face masks. In fact, we're a little bit worried that we don't have enough for the medical professionals. That's why we don't want you to buy. In fact, I don't think he said that last part. I think that came out later mm -hmm. when asked why he lied about it. 
when he, of course, reversed his position and said that you better all wear masks or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we, we've done some research now, and a lot of people seem to be pointing out that the porous holes of these cloth masks and uh, especially the grid system of that cotton ma- mask I put on to not sacrifice my beard. Uh, that was my compromise as I wore a handkerchief essentially for, for the time being uh, so that I wouldn't mess up my beard and I would still look presentable when I got to sit down at the dining table uh, in front of people. The COVID virus is significantly smaller than those porous holes in those masks. I saw a chart the other day where they, <laughs> they showed like the, almost like the solar system. And at right. one point they have to go like, oh, by the way, just for us to have the other planets visible, the sun's actually reduced down to one one hundredth of its actual size in this depiction of it. Right. And it was kind of the same thing with the mask. It's like, here's the porous hole, here's the virus. By the way, this point, this pinpoint on the screen that represents the virus is actually about 200 times larger than the virus, but you wouldn't be able to see it if we made it that small. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and so, that's the thing. Yeah. There it is. The, their face mask, right? And there's, and I'm not, and there's a lot, there's a lot of this because I'm not a, I don't know, I'm not militant about a lot of this stuff. And face masks are one of those things that it didn't, at a certain point, it didn't bug me. Like as, as it continued, it bugged me, but at the start, it's like, okay, whatever, because I can buy into that whole, like, you know, like, okay, like if it, if it helps the business and that's kind of where I came into it. It's like, if it helps the business stay open, if it's not going to take food from someone's table and keep lights on, I can suffer to wear a face mask for 10 minutes as I go around and shop. Like that's not, to me, that's not a radically inconvenience. And that's not like a, a gross infringement of my rights, that particular thing. Now where it gets tricky is as it fit, that fits into a, that is a piece of the puzzle that is a massive gross infringement of my rights. And so that's like the double-edged sword because yes, at a certain point, it's like, no, please, do, please do not ask me to wear one of these because we all know that they're worthless <laughs> and they this do not matter. Goal. But it's like, yeah, you know, and that's, I think that's, well, that's why you just have to have nuance and move through your life appropriately. You know, life's hard, act accordingly. But just to recap there, you got Fauci telling you, you don't need mask. Because he wanted to reserve them for the medical field, which you might go admirable. Then you have Ma- uh, Fauci mandating mask upon the entire population. You have to wear a mask or you might die from this. Fully well knowing that the, what is it, the N95 or N90? Yeah, N95. Was N95 like, is like the grade that and whatever is a more significant mask it. that would, would probably do something for this virus. But they never tell you that when they mandate these. They say you have to put a mask on knowing full well that it does almost 0%. I mean, other than, I guess, perhaps if it was able to spread on the spittle that you shot off between your teeth, if you're gap-toothed like I am while you were having a conversation with someone (laughs) and it hit them right in their mouth and they closed their mouth before any sunlight got to it, then it could have infected them that way and that would have been saved by a cloth mask. But it's a a pretty niche example, pretty small uh, portion of how the virus was being spread. Right. I really like the uh, the image of the two ice skaters dancing and they have their cloth mask on. And you can see in the video as they breathe, it just goes right through the mask. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, 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 cool. Cool. I've had a I've had a woman come up to the bar, talk to me. I'm old and deaf, so I couldn't hear her. And I leaned in and said, I'm sorry, wait one more time. And she leaned in. And three inches from my face whispered what she needed to me. 
And then we continue to talk for 10, 15 minutes. Her order finally gets ready. She grabs her to go order. She puts on her mask and walks out of the restaurant. And I'm like, we just talked into each other's mouths for 15 minutes. <laughs> but it's not, but she was also sitting. And so therefore it's the, don't you remember? It's the, we already covered this. You one. know, Matt, oh. it was the damnedest thing. And a woman wasn't sitting down. She just, ah. he didn't even follow that crazy rule. Dang. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, so another big lie that we had during this was the vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. During the presidential run, our president-elect Joe Biden during December 2020 promised that no one would be forced to take the vaccination. Mm-hmm. Remember those days? I do. Back when we were allowed to make reasonable choices about our own health care. Oh, yeah. And sure, there was this object, uh, what was it, uh, Project Hyperspeed or whatever it was. Warp which speed. is another one that people, Warp Speed. Which is one that a lot of people forget about, but uh, you know, you got to take this government vaccine because the guys on the left said so. Meanwhile, you're forgetting that like we just had an unprecedented push through of medical practices that aren't getting all the tests they're supposed to do by the orange man, who's he's bad, right? The orange man's bad. Right. So we're trusting the orange man on his vaccine just because we elected another guy. Yeah, you know what's actually really interesting is in the in it wasn't immediately after, but I probably in like early 2022 late 2021 there was a big push of the mainstream in the mainstream media um to say it's like you know what we should like we should give credit to donald trump to help right-wing republicans take it and it's like it's like you guys are almost there you know it's It's funny how there wasn't a big story about amnesty back then yeah, because you have all of these people like, you know, prior to the election of 2020, I'd never take the Trump vaccine, blah, 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 blah. And then as soon as they're now, as soon as the Democrats are in power, it's like, of course, it's safe. I would. You're killing the children if you don't get your vaccine. Yep. Yeah, that's the and that's the one thing, too, where it's like that's the that one bugs the shit out of me because I don't honestly I don't care. I don't I, I, I don't like people. I don't care what you do with your life, honestly. Like I, and it's one of those things. Like I, a lot of people use it's our whole stick. Wrong. We're libertarians. We are libertarians. You want to do? Yeah. We and want gay couples to defend their marijuana plants with their perfectly legal open carry AK forty sevens. Amen to that. And might as well make them automatic while we're at it. You know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's uh, but that's true. That's it's like, like Jesus just, intended when he gave them to us. Amen. Amen. So I got rid of the dinosaurs too. <laughs> 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 the the vaccine mandate that's the one that really starts to grind my gears on a level that the other ones haven't because now you're telling somebody it's it's coercion it is it is a form of coercion that is though it's like we're going to dive into like some historical context of course but it's not quite on par with you know um Nazi Germany and other other terrible regimes but it starts to have a similar tone to it. And that level of coercion is wrong. And we've even, and I mean, that was one of the, that was a hard thing for me to talk about on this podcast to come out as like, yeah, you know what? I was, I was Guinea pig number 17 and I got it. But as somebody who got it, I, that's my choice. And I will advocate for anybody not to get it. How, but how many people actually came out and said what we said, it wasn't a lot. 
there was we had the whole we had oh the fall you either die a hero or live to live long enough to see your so see yourself become the villain stephen colbert i used stephen to love god is so love sad your show on comedy central and then you go to the late show and you're doing that damn vaccine and it's just get this shot it's like if someone like someone needs to kick him in his nuts. <laughs> it was a sad fall from grace for sure. Now, see, when it came to getting myself vaccinated, I, I did the classic uh, libertarian old school fashion of riding the fence. I got one vaccine and I didn't go back for the second one. So I can I can be right in the middle <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, right. And All right. So the next one I got on go here, ahead. lab leak theory. Remember back when you were a racist? If you thought that the COVID-19 virus came from anything other than that episode of South Park where they fucked the pangolin. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, the wet markets. I don't care for the wet markets. <laughs> I love that episode. You keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> the Mickey Mouse has become an, an unsuspected uh, return guest. Yeah, well, because he is a villain. Like, let's be fair. Mickey Mouse is a real life villain, and it's good that South Park treats him as such. I wonder if we have a, uh, a return of Kanye meets um, Mr. Mickey Mouse with the, the recent current events. I, going on. I have no idea. You can only hope that they're still delivering fire. <laughs> uh, my fucking notes page closed, so I'm trying to sign back in. But the, no, the I point. Gotcha. Um, so it's like, so, so the idea though, that if you said anything that it wasn't a penguin and you wanted to speculate that, oh, they have a level four bio lab in Wuhan where they study gain of function funded with partial funding, not all funded, right? Because that's it was all funded by the NIH. No, it was partially funded. Let's be fair. We only threw some money at it, not all of the money. But to think that Oh, you mean the virus leaked from a level four bio lab that um, is in China and they're probably just not following protocol? Well, that's probably- how about this one? Uh, a bio lab in China from the same region this virus came from that, that studies on game of function. October 20th of that previous year uh, got in trouble for failing to immediately notify the NIH that they were engaged in gain of function research, creating a lab generated chimeric of coronavirus. This happened between June 2018 and 2019. It tested more deadly on mice that had uh, human cells in them than on the original virus. Hmm. So not just a lab in China, a lab in China that got in trouble for not disclosing the fact that they made a virus out of the exact same base virus that this virus now going around the entire world is going around. Yeah. And but that's, that's all racist. That's uh, Do you remember when Jon Stewart went on the late show with Stephen Colbert and said that and how how uncomfortable it made Stephen Colbert. I, I remember watching it and he squirms like you can see him scrawling in his skin in real time. The John Stewart is out there just dropping these bombs. He's just like, you could say it came from a wet market or you could probably say it came from the city that has a level four bio lab that is testing these very same things. Like that seems pretty reasonable. Oh, no. That's not that's, that's not that's not the rubber boot message, sir. That's racist. That's right. Yeah. That's and, racist. And that's racist. <laughs> As if we didn't have like a, a disease. I like that whole campaign too. For so long. <laughs> well, 
and just uh you know malaria being named after the malaria river system in africa i mean this is the nile from the nile river it's kind of uh what we do with diseases we name them after the region they came from this wouldn't be that crazy to call this the wuhan virus All even right. the coronavirus is from the corona region i think france but i'm not positive on that but again it was already named after a region it came from so this new oh. one came out of another region why wouldn't we name it after that region well, it's racist. It's racist. And also it might make people raise eyebrows and wonder why, you know, Dr. Fauci under the scrutiny of himself and funding gain of function research in the NIH, uh, you know, was the, the director of this NIH that has been linked to gain of function research would decide to kind of sweep all this under the rug on national TV. I always liked the Kung flu. That was my favorite. That was <laughs> that, that was my favorite. Now, to be fair, we're getting closer to racist there. <laughs> yeah, we are, we're approaching a we're approaching up to it, but have not crossed the line, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think the line's right before Ching Chong virus. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, that's probably, yeah, we, the line's like right in between those two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about this fun one? Remember when, if you got vaccinated, it was going to be what ended COVID? I remember the vaccine that. vaccine stops COVID, stops you from transmitting COVID. It's a miracle vaccine. Get out there, hug your family that you've been so longing to touch, you know, embrace, embrace life, drink from the waters of life that are so good, so pure, so cool <laughs> now that you're vaccinated. Yeah, well, turns out that uh, didn't really stop much. Now, you might be thinking that's a little bit of speculation on our side and that, guys, this is a vaccine to help slow the spread. They didn't ever say that. Well, I do have a quote here from Mr. Fauci saying, uh, you're not going to get COVID if you got the vaccine. When people are vaccinated, they can, I'm going to say that's feel safe and not gil safe, which is what I typed with a G. Uh, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. So that's Dr. Fauci blatantly telling you on national television that if you get vaccinated, you're not going to spread the vaccine. You're not going to get the vaccine. Oh, yeah. I remember all of that talk about Joe Biden saying, you know, just once you get it, you're okay, you're safe, you won't spread it. And there is a level of, I don't, it, it almost, it's what, uh, something I toy my mind with is that did people tailor their behavior to more risky, quote unquote, behaviors after they got vaccinated and therefore just pushed them, you know, because it's like and I don't know, because this is one of those things, too, where I am definitely not a pathologist. I did not take a single class in college about it. And I know that you can do your own research and stuff like that. And there's, but there's a lot of this that's a little bit above like the layperson's head about how vaccines work. How are they effective? What is their efficacy? You know, there's all of that type of stuff that's not, and I'm not saying that you just have to like throw your hands up and lean on the experts because there was a dissenting group of doctors throughout this whole thing that we're arguing, it's like we're doing everything against like immune immunology 101, right? Like I touch mm -hmm. things, then I touch my face, IgG, IgN, it creates these responses. And like, you don't put a child in a bubble and say, come out with a healthy immune system, crawl around, eat dirt, pick your boogers because there's things in there and then eat <laughs> them, you know? It's like, that's how you get healthy immune systems. And so I'm not here to say like, oh, you just have to trust the science. But I also... I'm not an expert on how vaccines work because I know that you still, there's still meningitis. There's still and that's, COVID. that's totally fair that we're not kids still get chicken pox and we vaccine against, we vaccinate against chicken pox and kids still get that, you know, 
true. That's true. That, and that's reasonable to point out that neither of us know the ins and outs of pathology and vaccines. Uh, you know who does? It's Dr. fucking Fauci. He knows a lot about that stuff. And he lied to your face. They yes. told you this wouldn't be transmissible. And just this past month, if you're living under a rock, the Pfizer CEO got caught. He got caught admitting that they never even tested this on its effectiveness on transmitting the disease. Yeah. And, and not only did that, he lie to you, he lied to you knowing there was no evidence. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's like, that's criminal. There's no other way to, there's no other way, but we do have that nice little, what is it? The, the, uh, the vaccine protection act uh, or whatever it is that essentially creates and that's created amnesty in the past for other vaccines saying that you are not like that the manufacturers of it aren't liable and this is okay so this is one of those things well it's also what warp speed was i mean we also gave amnesty ahead of time for any right. side effects i mean it, it was a blank check i mean we wrote a blank check and that's also like and that's all like this is this is a hard one for me to walk because i'm not a i'm not an anti-vaxxer you know, it's uh, if you didn't want to get the, the COVID vaccine, the, yeah, that's fine. And it's probably going to kill me one day. And I've got to deal with that. That's on me. That's not on anyone else. That's on me because I made that decision. Um, but I'm not I'm not an anti-vaxxer because I think that it's like I really like to not dying from preventable communicable diseases that have made human. It was like a lot of human history up until very, very recently, we forget, has been filled with misery and dying of very preventable things, you know? And so I'm not like this huge anti-vaxxer, but I'm also, but you also can't like grant blank checks to people like this. Um, and then say that, oh, well, they're like, oh, the, well, that's all that's on you. You had informed consent. Really? Did I actually have informed consent? It's just a hard one for me to it's a this is a hard <laughs> one for me to walk through because there are I mean, because I just I don't know. I'm not an expert in this field, but it's probably good that kids don't die of polio anymore. And then we and, you know, and I know that there's the argument. It's like, yeah, we'll look at like the standards of drinking water and blah, blah, blah. And but it's also like there's a lot of really cool things that don't have like people don't die terrible deaths. And there's a good you can make a good argument because of vaccinations. Right. And I remember I was actually digging into this. There was a anti insulin group when they started giving ch children insulin. Right. So like you have these kids. They have, I'm not talking about like type two diet, like fat people, diabetes. I'm talking about like type. Well, maybe one. they wanted to end diabetes and what better way to end diabetes than cutting off the insulin supply and letting all those people die out. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but there's like, I was even d diving into this recently and there was like an anti-insulin group and they're like, we don't know the long-term effects of insulin. It's like, yeah, you're right. We don't know the long-term effects of putting insulin in children's body. But they are going to die of a diabetic coma in like a week. <laughs> yeah, we, if we, we know the short-term effects of diabetic comas. <laughs> we know that they will die. We don't know what the long-term effects. And so that's just one of those things that I'm not I'm not here to take a stand like one way or another about what you decide with your health. We are anti-authoritarianism, and that is where mm -hmm. we can actually stand. I don't like mandating, I don't like mandating anything. And so that, but it's just like the, the whole like vaccine one, and it's not even specific to COVID. It, it's just like the, gr the greater argument of vaccines. Cause I know a lot of people argue that they cause autism and maybe they do. I don't know. I just don't know. 
<laughs> I've had a lot of vaccines and I'm autistic. A pretty strong libertarian now. So yeah, I mean, well, that's why we screech on the <laughs> sidelines and expect the world now, to get better without doing nothing about it. Because we're libertarians. With all, with all this said, they despite all of these lies they had, it never did once stop them from demonizing you for not taking the vaccine. Sure did. We've also seen this continue to carry out where now we have a lot more evidence. We've seen some of the negative effects. We've seen the lack of efficacy. We've seen the the effectiveness of uh, herd immunity and and building your own immune system and taking vitamins and being healthy. And we're starting to see uh, things like ivermectin. Like there are alternatives now. There are digestibles. Aaron Rodgers took one, some sort of pill that you could take that wasn't uh, in addition to ivermectin to help prevent it. There's all these different things we have that are not vaccines that are effective in other ways. And I would say you should choose which path is best for you by consulting your primary care physician, having that discussion and deciding what your health uh, would would lead you to do. But even with that, even with all this information we have now on the vaccine, uh, you remember all those videos? We've even sh- uh, played one on this podcast before of kind of the pa- the top down news narrative where you can just line up fifty people saying the exact same thing at one time. We I think I have an example. Isn't yeah. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. You can, Anybody who uh, hasn't seen that episode of our, just you can look that up on YouTube. There's lots of video compilations of news channels all saying the, not having the same narrative, saying the exact same words over and over and over because they were clearly told by somebody those were the words they were supposed to say. Uh, I think I've found one around this COVID thing and it's with Kyrie Irving. So next time you hear them talk about Kyrie Irving, lately it's been the anti-Semitic stuff that he's been, which I don't even know the movie uh, he was promoting, uh, which as a proud anti-Semite, you think I would know that movie. <laughs> Just kidding. That's caught, a joke. Caught me off uh, guard there. <laughs> no, I, I don't know anything about the movie, so I don't know. I'm not defending Kyrie on that particular topic by any means. I don't know what kind of crazy stuff he's on about that. Certainly um, can't defend his uh, con- his conduct on the basketball court either. Most, import- <laughs> most importantly. <laughs> I don't know. He looks good and fresh when he plays every fifth game and comes in there. Mm. Mm. <laughs> sometimes, well, you know, when you're an older player, sometimes you need five days off between each one. But anyway, besides all of our Ky- Kyrie uh, sports arguments that we're about to get into, uh, even today I saw it come up. They brought up that story of the anti-Semitic thing that he shared. And then they said this line that I've heard so many times the last two years, which is, quote, Kyrie chose not to play home games all of last year by simply not getting vaccinated. They present it in a way that's not Kyrie Irving decided he didn't want to get vaccinated. It's always Kyrie Irving chose not to play last year any home games in the state of New York just because of this vaccine. He's that bad of a teammate. They won't ever examine all of these plethora of evidence that we have now, all of these alternative things you could have done to vaccines. Uh, like I said, the ineffectiveness of the vaccine itself that you might could potentially have an alternative view. Rather, they all just keep spitting out this same line over and over because they're all just ladder climbers with no moral compass who want to move up in the company and the company leans left. So that's what you say. You lick the boot because that's how you get promoted. Rubber. And if you lick it long enough, you get the taste of leather. <laughs> mm, leather. <laughs> keep on licking. You'll get to that salty, salty leather. You look long enough, maybe you get an ankle. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I did want to say I, I think it's you know 
it's a little bit uh, gross to me that they just completely will belittle anybody who's vaccine hesitant about a vaccine that was mandated, uh, that was pushed through quickly by President Trump and then mandated by Joe Biden um, and all carried out by the government that did the Tuskegee experiments on black men. Uh, so you got white people on television shaking their fists and their fingers at a young black man because he's not doing what the state told him to do. Over Oof. and over again, every day I turn on ESPN, it's four white guys on a panel going, that fucking black guy didn't get vaccinated like he was supposed to, and he's supposed to be a goddamn basketball player. He skipped half the games last year, just this uppity black man not doing what the government told him to do. Oof, dude. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not Tell wrong. Me that's not what it is. No, you're not wrong, because it's 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 dan- dance, for your, dance for your banana monkey. That's all. <laughs> That's all it is. I'm. I have no trouble saying it. And if if we weren't recording, I would say strong. I would say much stronger things. But uh, <laughs> can't uh, can't oh, hit the. Did, can't, I, did <laughs> I send you the young black man dressed as a police officer at the gun range? No. Oh my goodness! There's this great clip. This uh, young black man dressed as a cop goes to a gun range, and they're already clearly sketched out by like a 20 year old in a cop outfit that's not a cop uniform it's like a halloween costume <laughs> and so they have like a back and forth of like are you a police officer and he goes no i'm the law and they go you're the law and he goes yeah i'm the law and the, the uncomfortable middle-aged white man just kind of goes like all right i don't want to come across racist i'm just gonna let this go <laughs> and then as he's taking aim at down the range of the target he just starts screaming racial profanities to the target and squeezing off <laughs> And it, it the the highlight of the video is when they pan to the the same old white man and he just it's the most confused Caucasian man you've ever seen. He's just like, what do I, what do, I do? I actually agree with him, but I can't. But it's like <laughs> he's, he's actually. On one hand, I don't like blacks with guns. On the other hand, I think it's uh, important our police get proper training. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I don't Oof. know why that came up. I'm not even sure how we got there, but well, that's all right. It, that was a, one that brought me some joy. Um, now, how about this one? How about vaccines won't affect your fertility? Now, this one's the jury's still out. I'm not here to start peddling that a lot of kids are having miscarriages because of the vaccines. I looked into a little bit of the research on it. There are more people who have had the vaccine having miscarriages. There are also more people who have the vaccine. So I don't know that those numbers outpace that particular statistic. It might just be that more mothers. Uh, we're naturally having miscarriages at the rate they're having vaccines. However, we do know that in January of 2020, uh, excuse me, 2022, earlier this year, there was a study that came out showing that the average menstrual cycle of women that were vaccinated on average lasted one day longer. Now, that's a long ways from being part of the conspiracy circles that are saying that the vaccine's creating an infertile uh, population generation. I'm not saying that. I think it's definitely outblown in a lot of those regards when you see those run up. But have you ever heard that, Matthew? Have you ever heard that women are having longer menstrual cycles when they've had the vaccine? No, I didn't know it was longer. I know that they were having um, irregularities with them, that they were either like coming sooner. Um, they weren't, they weren't like as, uh, they weren't as, uh, you couldn't chart them as well as before. I knew that there, I knew that there's like some irregularities. And I also know that, uh, I want to say that Robert, uh, was his name Robert Cook, um, who like patented the mRNA um, technology? He was on Joe Rogan 
mm-hmm. months and months ago, but he was talking about like it is collecting in places that they didn't like the spike protein was collecting in places that they didn't expect it to. Um, and it was pooling and hanging out longer than than anyone expected. And so, I mean, I've heard I've heard those type of things around but, it, but so not so, that particular thing. It, right. So you you at least to brush up on it. But we do a weekly podcast. We read on this stuff. We really dive into it. We go a lot deeper than the average person. I'd imagine, I'd even venture to say our average listener probably hasn't heard that statistic. We have yeah, seen the I, government shout down women for bringing up concerns about it. Yeah, there's that. Don't don't get out of line. So again, kind of like my Kyrie example, it's kind of one of those things that uh, I suppose abortion is the only area that the you know no white man can tell a woman how to use their body applies to it doesn't seem to matter that much when it comes to vaccines yeah right it's a it gets a pass because it's science <laughs> it's science <laughs> uh i mean the last one i had on here was the pandemic of the unvaccinated i think that kind of plays into the the one previous uh to the one we just read i mean it's just the, the again even though the the pandemic uh, is raging on there are people who are vaccinated fully boosted 17 times they got the covid they got the omicron just like the rest of us they got the delta just like everybody else did yet this pandemic's 100 your fault for being unvaccinated yeah despite all those facts despite all those people still spreading the vaccines or still spreading the the virus and, and contracting the virus and and the virus getting in every household in america it's still your fault for not getting vaccinated and that's where and this is where it starts to like really brush up on some uh really authoritarian uncool totalitarian shit that's where because now all of a sudden like you get the president of the united states and i'm not one here to argue like oh the president must be revered and and i'm not i made that argue but it is wild that the president of the united states gets in front of the television and says unless that you get vaccinated you have you will have a winter of death and disease that is immensely mind blowing to me. You could you could probably classify that as like a divisive statement. You could, you could make that argument that all of a sudden you're telling people that have reasonable skepticism about this that if you don't do this, that this is your fault, and this is where it starts to really brush up against like the language of totalitarianism that we despise so much. It is us versus them. They are the unvaccinated. And you can blame all of this. You can blame the pandemic. You can blame inflation. You can blame supply supply chain shortages. You can blame grandma's death. You can blame everything that's wrong with your life on the unvaccinated that is not cool in fact that is some of the most uncool shit that you could ever say but that's the one thing about the whole like kanye thing that's really kind of it rubs me the wrong way that it's like okay so saying like the jewish media that's one thing but when you start like brushing up on like this the head of a nation demonizing an entire group of people based on a certain status that is far more resonating of Nazi Germany than Kanye saying the Jewish media. Right. And that's the point I'm trying to make when that is like, like Joe Biden 
is far is starting to parrot that type of rhetoric that is dangerous that all of the people that scream oh that's anti-semitism and clearly you don't know history and you shouldn't say those type of things joe biden nails that so he hits so much closer than kanye saying the jewish media fast forward to 2024 and kanye west has just won the presidential election and he's goose stepping down washington dc and opening internment camps for jewish people and you go huh Huh. Guess we missed on that one. Yeah, fair enough. You know, it's like I guess I guess, <laughs> guess we'll be on Black this Hitler after all. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll be on this podcast to talk about how we were wrong at that point. <laughs> Apologizing for the first time ever in two years of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And we've gotten a few things wrong, and we've even we've even brought on people to tell That's us fair. how we were wrong. Yeah, we definitely have. We're not and that's uh, part of the experience. If you're gonna sit here and tell everybody that your arguments are better, then when you make a shitty argument, you gotta eat that shit sandwich. You must. And that's the thing. And so now it's like the, you know, now we're now we're going to brush up into like the, the idea of like the Nuremberg defense, because this is the one thing that I think a lot of people when when they're when they're sitting there crying for pandemic amnesty is that it starts to and like once again, I'm not calling these people Nazis. I'm like Nazis were Nazis. It's very simple. Like, and I don't understand why this is so confusing we still have like literal nazis running around right yeah, now today neo-nazis sure. and new, new types of nazis so like those people are not that word for yeah. actual nazis those people are nazis and they, yeah and like nazis are nazis and i'm not saying that the people that um you know push yeah. the covid regime our presidents are, are an entirely different brand of pieces of shit yes absolutely different flavors you know, like there's there's German chocolate and there's American like, chocolate and like Coca-Cola and Fanta. Absolutely. Different. Which flavors. if anybody doesn't know that story, Fanta's uh, origin story was because Coca-Cola didn't want to stop selling Coca-Cola products to the Nazis. So they made a secret shell corporation called Fanta. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a real story. And so for all of the uninitiated, right, because I've I wonder because I, I you, you guys know me at this point i just i'm just a huge history dork and i get history hard-ons about all these little things that most people find uh, like terribly boring uh but the nuremberg trials were held after world war ii at the, after the defeat of nazi germany and it was argued you know they they were arguing that because nazi germany was responsible for you know approximately 40 million of the 20 million deaths caused by World War II, uh, 27 of which, uh, 27 million of which were from the Soviet Union alone, that certain people needed to stand trial and pay for their crimes because you can't like hold all of Germany responsible. I mean, I guess you could, but they chose not to. Um, so there was a international military tribunal. It was established in between November 20th of 1945 and October 1st of 1946. 21 of the most important and prominent surviving members of the Nazi party were charged for various crimes. You can really just boil those down to so like mass murder and crimes against humanity. Um, interestingly enough, this is where the term genocide comes from. It was a Polish man, Robert... Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name. Anyways, the term genocide is actually coined and it becomes a legal charge that has ramifications during the Nuremberg trials. So that's like the very first time, because prior to that, there was no actual charge. And what's really interesting about this is that this is the first time that the leaders of a country 
actually have to stand trial for what they've done because prior to all of this everybody's just like all right i guess the kaiser has to abdicate oh oh looks like the czar has just been assassinated by the bolsheviks (laughs) like you know there's like governments just come and go and they just kind of like let it slide it's interesting that genocide was coined during that time i actually didn't know that I, i think before that uh they referred to it as civilizing savages yes that is exactly that's exactly what they called it. Uh, taming the Browns. <laughs> taming the Browns. <laughs> what what the, a terrible sitcom. <laughs> if we ever do a TV show, that's got to be what it's called. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get the pilot out. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> You can find fun, you, can, you can find dark money in some weird places these days. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyway, so like I said, like one of the major crimes, they were charged with this overall crime of aggression, which meant that they were plot that they plotted and waged an aggressive war. And that verdict declared, you know, of uh, this uh, supreme international crime is what they called it because it contained within itself the accumulated evil of the whole. And so it is very interesting, though, that they, that this is like the very first time that, you know, people, leaders of a, of a, of a war have to stand trial like I said before, and they picked Nuremberg because it was very symbolic to the Nazi regime. That's, you know, like all of those early rallies that you see of Nazi Germany, they were held in Nuremberg, right? So, you know, those iconic images of uh, of 50,000 Nazis with huge um, Nazi flags up, swastikas and fire and all of that good stuff. That that was all held in Nuremberg. So they, you know, they they did that uh, to symbolize, but What's really interesting, and this is like, there's so much of this that we're glossing over, as you guys know, because I just love all of this stuff so much. Um, I talk, I <laughs> just talk about this all day long. But what's really interesting is that when they actually come down to it, is that it's a trial. And they actually get defense, right? This isn't some show trial that they have in the Soviet Union, at like the Stalin purges and whatnot, that these were legitimate trials and there were defense attorneys assigned and that they actually tried to make good arguments why their defendants weren't guilty of what they're being charged and so a lot of this um a lot of this uh the time spent on the defense it's fascinating because you get some pretty interesting arguments and so one of them um you know like i think most of them hit the, they never denied the crimes. Like none of them ever sat up there and was like, concentration camps didn't happen. Treblinka wasn't a thing. None of them ever had that defense. You know, they didn't do like the outright denial. But what you did get is- They that- didn't pull up the, the Kanye West spreadsheet and show you how many CEOs are Jewish. <laughs> did he actually do that? Have you not seen the spreadsheet? I have not I thought seen, I'd I've, seen it by now. I had, not yeah, seen he had a, spreadsheet. a spreadsheet of like every major tech company and they're like founder, president, CEO, CFO. And then he would like all the Jewish names were red. Uh, so the sheet was just a red sheet with a couple like green segments in the Excel document. But it, it was, you know, uh, there are a lot of Jewish people in charge of tech companies. <laughs> Kanye West is not wrong about that. He's not wrong about that, but you don't help yourself when you start that way. That's, 
that's another conversation for another day. Don't don't suck me. Don't suck me into that one. Do you really want? No, no, no. That's okay. Um, just I I want to take the bait, so don't dangle it. <laughs> shiny, shiny. And so another another defense that all of these and because now mind you, like these are very high ranking people. Like we're talking about um, like uh, von Ribbentrop, who is the foreign minister. We're talking about. Uh, it was basically like. The number 10 guy to the number 100 guy because the top 10 guys are in Argentina they all lost, still. Well, no, because they all, I mean, they could be in Argentina. <laughs> they, they either off themselves, one of the two, you know, and we do, it's that's a that's a whole nother fascinating subset of history, too. It's like, well, what happened to the bodies of all the high ranking Nazi officials? Soviets <laughs> probably burned them because well, they, in the same way that we dispose of all uh interesting tyrannical dictators once we finally catch them as we did with bin laden we dump them in the ocean before Tradi- anybody can examine the bodies traditional sea burials of course uh, you know yeah traditional muslim burials in that sea. <laughs> no pigs in the ocean baby <laughs> and so a lot of a lot of these people blamed it on hitler and in fact like he was mentioned more than 1200 times during the trial and they all tried to just pin it. They either blamed it on Hitler or they blamed it on other like high ranking members who'd already committed suicide, like uh, Reinhard uh, Heydrich or Adolf Eichmann, Martin Bormann. You know, they, they tried to blame it on certain generals who had committed suicide in the bunker, like Krebs. Um, There's just a lot of blaming going around because they never outright denied it. They're just like, well, that wasn't me. I was I, that I wasn't in charge of that. You know, I was just in charge of, you know, the invasion of Poland. I didn't do the rest of that. That's not that's not my bowl of rice. And there's there's so there's I think what's this is I love this argument the most though. And this right here might be one of the single best quotes that when Logan and I sit in here and pontificate into this microphone week in and week out about the dangers of the state and why we need to decentralize power because it is not good left in the hands of any one person, especially when they become tyrannical, it is this. A few defense lawyers attempted to argue that, quote, Germans' authoritarian mindset and obedience to the state exonerated them from any personal guilt. That is an actual defense that the lawyers use we're germans we we we're obedient to the state you can't blame my clients sitting on the stand for waging an aggressive war that killed 40 million people we're just following orders we're it's just the mindset of our people orders. that's my culture bro yeah i wonder uh <laughs> it's a uh, uh... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I had an intrusive thought there that I'm not going to say out loud. <laughs> save it for later. <laughs> I'll save it for later. Um, and I lost my actual train of thought that I was going to say out loud uh, mm. because I was thinking of dirty things to say. <laughs> Hate when that happens. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying right before that? Oh, it's just the idea that like they argued that we couldn't. That we're not. That my clients oh, are oh, guilty. It just came back to me. So, how far off of, of that? statement is it from for the greater good because i was doing it for the greater good i was doing it for the greater good i was doing it for the greater good you killed six million jewish people in concentration camps i was doing what i thought was for the greater good because that's what the state conditioned me to think 
It wasn't for the greater good I see now, but I was doing what the state had conditioned me to do. You can't blame me for that. It's very similar in my mind. It's, it's almost very, the same argument. It is. It is extremely close. And that is why, and that's why we lump this in because we're not out here. As somebody who loves history, I don't take the Nazi comparisons and bringing up them lightly because it, it carries weight because that is like a shiny example of what evil looks like incarnate. Like and that it is it. should carry weight and it carries less and less when you use it for people who have slightly different views on abortion than you. It is true. Absolutely. Because these are like truly evil people. And to have their defense attorneys say, oh, the Germans were just authoritarian mindsets and our obedience to the state should exonerate them of any personal guilt. It sounds an awful lot like for it will, we thought it was for the greater good. I was under the misconception that it was for the greater good. It's just a couple extra words in the sentence. Mm -hmm. But they're, they know they are of the same cloth. Because oh well, I was we need layman's realm. Thousand right. year right. We need it's living what space. it's always been. Actions over words, show me, don't tell me. Don't let them put flowery words in front of you to tell you why they shouldn't be tried for war crimes because they still committed those goddamn war crimes. They still waged an aggressive war. They killed 40 million people. That you know that that we now were able to coin a term. Well, half of them were Ruskies, though. I mean, it was like 27 million. That's a huge amount. That's a lot. That's a huge amount. Yeah. That's a that's, bunch. And, but I really, I'm glad that you pointed that out because they are, they're of the same cloths, of the same blood, of the same vein. They are not cousins. They are brothers. Yeah. The only difference in those is your current hindsight. Mm -hmm. Do you understand now versus do you still think you're doing the greater good? Right. And that's where, and that's why we are bringing this comparison in because there are how many people have told you it's for the greater good. And before I, I do just like real fast, I, there another really good argument that um, actually kind of has a little bit of weight um, and the, the judge didn't allow certain evidence. Oh, to here be, comes. Nazi oh, sympathizer Matthew. <laughs> the judge, uh, it was the uh, it was the idea of, and it's a I don't know how to say it. To quoque, I'm gonna guess it's a it's a it's a French term, um, but or it might be Italian actually. I'm not sure. Um, it's but French. It's, it might be too wee wee. <laughs> yeah, close. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the idea. That, of this of this idea of defense is that the authority trying the defendant has committed the exact same crimes that they're being accused of. Now that one doesn't quite. We land. treated those Japanese people really nice in all those camps. It, and that's the thing; like it wasn't as bad, but it was bad. And you don't but get to just have the caveat. Well, we didn't murder them all. You still did roundup of a huge population, mm -hmm. a huge chunk of your population, and then turned them in camps. You took their belongings. The state was able to auction them off, sell it, and make money. That is, that is, we're only there's only one step between what we did to the Japanese in internment camps and what the Germans did in concentration camps. We didn't have a we didn't have a execution factory. Uh, too bad for the Germans. There weren't two Jewish cities to split atoms over either. <laughs> Somebody might consider that a war crime these days. Someone might. 
you know, and that's <laughs> completely erasing two major cities off of a population grid. And that's it's pretty, pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there's, this is why, and this is all honestly why we have these conversations and, you know, and like Logan and I, we will take hard and firm stances on a lot of things, but there's also so much nuance that needs to be had with all of these. Like even this, like this entire conversation, pandemic am- amnesty. No, but we can talk about some caveats. We can talk about the grays, maybe for some, maybe for a big chunk, but you don't just get to commit heinous acts because there's, there's no other way. I don't know how to look at it. And it's not as, and this is what's really confusing for a lot of people. And this is where one of these days, the sound clap, the sound clip will be played back against me. And there I'm going to have to stand and answer some really weird questions about all of the shit I've said on this podcast when it's okay. They're not one-to-one comparisons. I'm not saying the COVID regime of America is Nazi Germany. I'm not saying that because they are radically different. But what I am saying is that they share some characteristics and those are not good characteristics to share. <laughs> and you don't get to just throw your hands up and say, I, w- I was following orders. That defense did not work in Nuremberg and it does not work now because Interestingly enough, most of those defendants were found guilty. Um, a few were acquitted of not all of the crimes, some of the crimes, and you know, but eleven. I want to say eleven of the defendants were sentenced to death. Uh, Herman Goring, the most uh, prominent of them, committed suicide the night before. And after they found out that they committed suicide, they went ahead and just like read all of the rest of them their last rites, and then proceeded to run through the hanging of all of them within like an hour of his death. Oh, you're going to commit suicide? Not if I hang you first, motherfucker. Exactly. And so it's in- so there's actually this was omitted from the <coughs> record, but we all know that it's true now um because the actually the master hangman of the US army because there is actually a thing. There's a post and he even talked about this that that they botched a lot of the executions. Like either the rope was too short or the trap door wasn't big enough. And I, I don't think all of them, but there was a good chunk because, you know, they're hanging 11 people, 10, 11 people. I want to say like four or five definitely didn't get a nice quick neck break. Just dangled there. You think there was a, any particularly fat Nazi generals that had to get like a hangman's boot on their shoulder to push them through the rest of the way through that trap door? I don't I mean some of those guys are like Herman Goring was definitely the largest. Uh, those guys were living large. You know, they weren't. They weren't starving like your average German at the time, but yeah, it's, they, were, uh, they weren't in the trenches out there. Yeah. And that's, but that's, and I'm not before anyone tries to misconstrue, I am not saying that people need to be hung in the streets willy nilly or that people need to stand trial for crimes. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that you can't. And I know a lot of people, if you listen to this podcast, you probably feel the same way. That we don't get to just give blank amnesty to the regime that has perpetrated it's modern day crimes against humanity. It's not an invasion. It's not millions of people were overtly killed in acts of aggression with war. But we do know that COVID patients were funneled into nursing homes, which killed a disp- disproportionate amount of old people. We know that. That's not conspiracy. That's true. And that's pretty close to murder. We do know that COVID 
and the transfer of wealth from the COVID regime took more money out of your pocket and my pocket than has ever been seen before. And it sent it all to the hands of the people that already had before the pandemic, the disproportionate amount of wealth. We are further away from them than peasants were to royalty in the Middle Ages. That's yeah, what we're talking that fun about. One, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. That is the regime they were talking about. So if anybody who says like, oh, let bygones be bygones. No, because how are you supposed to sweep that under the rug? How are you supposed to sweep away an aggressive war that killed 40 million people? Some people have, you know, people have to answer for crimes. And this is in the same boat. You don't get to just sweep this under the rug. Truce are bad. No. Your bad's pretty yeah, that's bad. That's right. That's right. If it was just a couple mistakes and everything was back to par, sure, we can talk about amnesty. That's not what we're talking about. They didn't have an open war where they rounded us up into concentration camps and did those horrible things to us. But put us in quarantine. They, they put us in quarantine. They greatly decreased our future earnings potential. They took money out of the next generation. Your children and your grandchildren will be poorer because of the events of the last two years than the trajectory they were on before that. They're taking food off of your table more and more slowly and slowly, and they may not be here to kill you, but they are here to enslave you. They want you poor. They want you illiterate. They want you to be tax cattle and nothing else, and that's what they're pushing us towards. It may not be openly, uh, conspiratorially drawn up within a back room somewhere by five people, but the general agenda of the state and the way it's pushing us in the direction we are headed is towards that enslavement. They want you to be good little tax cattle. Yeah, that's it. And that's the, and there's got to be, there's got to be another conversation and it's how do we deal with this guilt, right? How do, how do we as a society approach this? Because there's there's an actually really good book from Ian Baruma that I read in college. Um, I read it in my genocide class, and it was called The Wages of Guilt. And it dealt with how Germany and Japan dealt with their wartime guilt. And there were two different trajectories that the nations went on. Germany dealt with it. Germany put it up because like there was no there was no uh, skirting that one. I mean, allied commanders rounding up towns and saying, oh, you guys didn't know about this camp? Well, you're going to know about it now because we need to clean it up. And everybody's going to go down there, you know, and there's the there's the whole classic. But that's the thing is we didn't know how many Germans threw their hands up. And this isn't like I'm not here to demonize Germans. Right. But how many people in that particular time period threw their hands up and said, oh, we didn't know. We just thought that it was odd that when the air smelled funny, it rained ashes. We didn't know. We had no idea. We we didn't know where all our neighbors went. We didn't. How many people said that? That is not a defense. The I was following orders or we didn't know does not absolve you of the crimes, either explicit or of the sins of omission. There is, you do not get a pass to toss your hands up and say, I didn't know. I was following orders. It doesn't work that way. 
And Germany had to deal with it. And I mean, the Allies shoved it right in there. It's like, here it is. Look <laughs> at it. You know, there was no uh, there was no getting around it. Versus Japan, who disassociated and started making increasingly stranger tentacle porn. Yes, there's a, there's a degree of that. But what's really interesting, too, is that those crimes weren't being perpetrated on their soil. And I think that it starts geographically. But then there was also this really um, interesting turn of geopolitical events. And that's what's most fascinating about this. And this is why we talk about these things, because you can't just let the momentum of history and current events sweep things under the rug because it's called reverse course. Because in 1949, America looked at the geopolitical landscape and said, oh, well, the Russians got the A-bombs. The Chinese just beat the nationalists in China or the, the communists beat the nationalists in China. And it looks like there's about to be a war in North Korea between North uh, in Korea and the Korean Peninsula between North and South Korea. So we pivoted. Instead of treating Japan like the conquered um, loser of the war, we pivoted to rebuilding their industries to make them a strong ally. And in that, we swept so many of their war crimes under the rug. And because of that, Japan dealt with their war doubt or their war guilt a lot differently because now there's a generation of Japanese people that go to the shrine at Hiroshima and wonder, why did the Americans drop a, a bomb on us? We have no idea. And it's like, oh, really? You don't know? Well, damn it. My government was actually complicit in the cover-up. So, of course, you don't know. But... <laughs> I, but there's, it's still there. And this is one thing that you cannot like, like, we have to be Germany in this. We've got to look at it. We've got to call each other out. We've got to call each other out in the liberty community when we're wrong, when we're overstepping our bounds, when we're ostracizing and alienating people that we need to be extending forgiveness and bring into the fold. We need to do that. We also need to call those out who need to be called out. And as a society, you can't just throw up your hands and say, oh, we didn't know because all those elected officials that knew, that lied, that insider traded, all those congressmen and senators that made millions and millions of dollars off insider trading before the pandemic happened and continue to mm -hmm. do so, there needs to be some level of accountability for that. They're still, all still in charge. And that's exactly what we were saying earlier with that metaphor of the classroom. A lesson has to be learned. There can be amnesty. We can move past this and become one culture again, but it can't come without that lesson being learned. We need you guys to be Germany, not to be Japan. We need you to be able to examine this and understand the mistakes that were made that led us to the point that we allowed the largest upwards transfer of wealth in human history because it was yeah. kind of a bad thing. I didn't really like that myself. I don't think any of you guys enjoyed that. I think that was pretty rough on all of us. We're not, uh, nobody's enjoying fueling up at the gas tank right now. It's, it's uh, pretty worse. And we need that that development, that growth, that, uh, I mean, look at Germany now today. We're begging them to mobilize and go back into Poland again to fight those Russies. Uh, we've completely taken a 180 on what we feel like those Germans. <laughs> oh, how the turntables. How, how they turn. Oh, the tides of history. It is a strange thing. And that's it, too, because you know what? I know a lot of people in the Liberty community, people that I talk to on Instagram and stuff, you guys were right. You guys were right about a lot of this. We all have been. But this is, I, I think, though, that if we are going to be critical of ourselves, 
And I'm not saying that because there's a lot of people like our job isn't to like win the sheep. That's not like the NPCs will be in. I've said this more and more. And every time I say it, I believe it more. NPCs have no souls. Um, We are not waging the war for the NPCs, but we are waging our wars for those that can actually come and join us on the ranks of our side and fight for a freer society. And if we can't leave a freer society, then at least we can't backtrack. But here's the problem is that we backtracked. The COVID regime has done such harm to our society. It has been the precursor of our liberties being stripped and eroded. And now if you want to advocate for that, you're selfish. It it has emboldened people to advocate for violence against people with the form of the state. I'm not advocating that my neighbor loses their job. I just want the state to make sure that they can't have their job if they don't get vaccinated. We have, <laughs> you know, this is like we have seen this in the last two years. Like we have seen our liberties erode and slip further down the scale. And so now we have the challenge and the chore and the burden to make sure that that slides no more. And with that, there's going to have to like, we have to, uh, we have to approach this with a amount of grace. Nobody likes a sore loser, but everybody hates a sore winner. And this (laughs) is right. It's, it's that concept of hellfire and brimstone. Nobody ever, when I was a young Christian and I, I used to hate the hellfire and brimstone guy that screamed at everybody on the corner because he never converted one person to Christianity. So that's part of this too, that besides the amnesty thing we keep talking about, you also don't need to be the arrogant asshole that just screams at everybody. I was right. You need to come calmly collected and with the facts so that some of those NPCs might get to take a red pill at some point in their life. That's what this really is about. It's not about being right. It's not about winning political points. It's not about slamming people on Twitter. It's about converting people over to the message of liberty so that someday we can break the propaganda of the state and live as free people once again. Absolutely. And for all of those that advocated against us, that are actively trying to erode our liberties, there is no truce. There is no peace. Fuck your amnesty. Have fun with that boot in your mouth. (laughs) Boot liquor. Hope you like the taste of rubber. (laughs) (laughs) If you hit the back of those tonsils, you might get a little leather in there. Mm -hmm. A little tonsil leather. (laughs) That's all I got. Perfect. Well, thank you guys. We appreciate you. Thanks for bearing with us week in and week out. We really do love you guys. Uh, You are the reason that we speak in this microphone, but I know that Logan and I, we joke a lot, um, but we also are very serious and passionate about this. And there is a lot of stuff that just can't slide into this. Why we do the research. That's why we do these episodes. So that politics are dark. If you don't want to cry, you got to laugh. Yeah, I, I definitely laughing is a, is a, defense mechanism probably an unhealthy defense mechanism at this point for me because i have a very when i know it's a very i have a very dark sense of humor (laughs) i laugh at things that probably aren't funny but uh it's either that or i scream and i shout and i don't like to i don't like to scream and shout and cry so i try to laugh (laughs) it helps uh, it helps the medicine go down a little bit easier more charming 
Yeah, but uh, that's why that's why we do this, and hopefully that this uh, these episodes are informative and interesting to you guys. And I hope that if there are those those liberty curious people that are in your life, that um, that you could send them to this podcast, and hopefully we can help push them over together, right? Because um, it's it's all it's all one big effort. There's we all have our roles to play, and if you guys can open their mouths, then hopefully we can throw the pill down the back of that throat. Um, <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you want some peanut butter, buddy? <laughs> yeah, right. However, however, it helps to go down easier. That, that, that's what we're here for. If you enjoy our show, it's not much to ask, but it means the world to us. Please give us five stars. It goes an awful long ways. And Logan and I would love to do this full time one day. But for right now, we just have to grow our listenership and get more traction with the people that tune in week in and week out. And what helps in the algorithms, five-star reviews. So if you actually like what we're doing, I humbly ask that you take five seconds, 10 seconds out of your day to give us five. You don't even have to leave us a review. Just give us a five-star review. Um, if you really want to leave us a review, I'd love that. But we're not asking that. All I'm asking is <laughs> the bare yeah, minimum. You got to help us out. I noticed this the other day, which is actually... I thought it was a very encouraging sign of growth of the podcast. We've started getting marked with COVID-19 warnings on episodes, which will probably oh. happen to this one. But that's why you, we need you guys to go out there and help any small bit. Just give us five stars, whatever you can do. Subscribe, like, whatever you got going on. Takes you three seconds, but it really helps us get over the hump of that algorithm, start getting our stuff out there because we're already being watched, even though uh, as as few of you guys as are listening, there's already an FBI agent assigned to us hitting that uh at home button they have that they can get on all these social media it's platforms. True. It's a badge of honor at this point to be marked with uh spreading COVID misinformation. Um mm. it really is quite, uh, optimistic to see that. It really is. It's a badge of honor. Um so like I said, we really do appreciate you guys. Like I said, like, subscribe, share the podcast with somebody. It awfully it means an awful lot to us. Um we love doing this. Logan and I love talking because we are raging narcissist and we love the fact that uh people actually listen to us so thank you from the bottom of our hearts share this with your npc friends and hopefully we can re- <laughs> we can red pill them um because we we all have npc friends i'd like to act like i live in this perfect liberty community and everybody is 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 awakened not woke but awakened as us <laughs> but we all know it's not true um and there's just some people that need a little bit more time than others and patience is a virtue and there can be no there can be no forgiveness without atonement and there is a certain group of people that there will be no amnesty for because they do not deserve it that's, that's right. all i got guys those kings no more kings no kings no rulers um with all that being said we're fighting against the mob with people over politics we'll see you next week Thank you.